0: Welcome to you, wherever you're at, whomever you're with. We are so very glad that you are here with us for a few moments this weekend. A reminder, if you have the you version, a Bible app on your phone or device, you can look in the lower right-hand uh, corner, find the menu under Events, search for Arlington FM, and there you will find a complete set of notes for this weekend's message. And uh, if you're a podcast listener, next time you're in your player, go ahead and search for Arlington FM. There you will find all of our teaching content. Well, this morning uh, we continue with our series, uh, QR, Quality Relationships, and uh, we are cracking the code on uh, what it is that creates good relationships in our lives, and uh, this whole series is based on this truth, that every good thing uh, from God flows into our lives through the quality of our relationships through the quality of our connections with, uh, with God, uh, with one another, and with the world that he loves. And see, these are the big three. Uh, as we uh, relate well with God, uh, good things flow into our hearts and into our lives. Uh, as we uh, conduct ourselves with one another, uh, with integrity and the values he's called us to, good things flow into our relationships and then out uh, into our world. And uh, so we asked this question week one as we started to uh, delve in uh, to this idea of uh, building our lives around quality relationships. And uh, the question was, is my spirituality good for my relationships? In other words, does the way that I connect with God influence the way that I interact with people? And uh, I hope that uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, you absolutely would say, yes, uh, my my connection with Christ totally influences the way I interact with people. And uh, we saw in uh, the prophet Ezekiel, uh, Ezekiel chapter 47, God gave him an amazing glimpse of this river uh, of life that flowed from the meeting place, the temple, the place where people connect with God. And, and uh, as Ezekiel sees this, Imagery, he sees a trickle of water flowing out of the temple. It becomes uh, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, becomes so wide and deep he can't swim across it. And his uh, heavenly guide says to him, Son of man, do you see this? Are, are you seeing the kind of life that flows out of your connection with God? And uh, then we're told uh, this guide led me back to the bank of the river and when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. Things were growing and flourishing. And he said to me, this water flows towards the uh, dry places, the eastern region. It goes down into the Arabah, a barren wasteland where it enters the Dead Sea. And when it empties into the sea, the salty water there uh, miraculously becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live Wherever the river flows, there will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there, and it makes the salt water fresh. And so, where the river flows, everything will live. An amazing uh, glimpse of the life-giving property when we connect authentically with God. He pours this life into us that ultimately uh, brings life Everywhere that it's allowed to flow. Well, Jesus made it very clear that uh, he is the source of this life-giving river. In fact, uh, we're told in John 7, Jesus stood. He said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me authentically connects with me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And so everything that Ezekiel saw in this incredible vision, Jesus brings it down to our interaction with him and says that this miraculous life-giving property will flow from within us if that connection is real. And so we we define the integrity of that connection in this way. When we live in the affection of Jesus, he said, abide in my love. Uh, Let me shower you with the uh, the uh, acceptance of God. And then we welcome the correction of Jesus. He said, those whom I love, I rebuke, I correct. And finally, when we walk in the direction of Jesus, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And uh, these will uh, enhance the quality of our connection with Jesus so that river of life can flow into us and through us. And then at week two, we ask this question. If your heart were full Would it be easier to get along with people? And I think we all would say, well, yeah, obviously. You know, if my heart's doing well, if my heart's healthy, full of good things, I'm going to interact well with others. And uh, we acknowledge this truth uh, that all of us uh, inherited from the very first humans. We inherited uh, what we call relationship killers. When Adam and Eve emerged from the garden after drifting away from God, They experience uh, distance from one another. And uh, these were the relationship killers that have followed people down through the ages. Uh, Criticism of others, uh, blaming others, contempt of others, uh, separating ourselves uh, apart from those we feel better than, uh, becoming defensive in our relationships, feeling like uh, people are out to get us, hurt us, attack us, and then uh, stonewalling distancing, cutting others off from our sphere of relationship. And uh, we we acknowledge this truth in week two, that to experience health in our relationships, we must find a way to live beyond uh, these relationship killers, beyond our brokenness and beyond our offenses. And uh, praise God, thank you, Jesus, that he has made a way for us to live beyond the brokenness that we all have to grow through. Uh, We are told in Colossians chapter 2, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And when you came to believe in him, you've been brought to fullness. In other words, our hearts have been made healthy. And because of that, uh, Paul goes on to say, we can say no to relationship killers. We don't have to live in the brokenness of uh, what we all inherited we have the wherewithal through our hearts made right with God, uh, the love that we experience from Christ. We can say no uh, to the negativity and we can open up uh, to a better way of interacting with each other. And so uh, we made this observation that was actually uh, comes from the uh, Secular Relationship uh, Research Institute, the Gottman Institute. They made this observation. Uh, looking at thousands and thousands of couples, that relationships flourish in a rich environment of positive interaction. And so uh, Paul would say out of these hearts that have been made full, bear with each other, forgive one another, be kind and gracious to one another, love one another, and celebrate the goodness of God. And uh, so uh, today, as we think about Our connection with God through Jesus the quality of our interactions with each other other people of faith Uh, here's the question for today how do we bring the life that we receive from God and enjoy with one another how do we bring that out to the broken places the barren places the dry places in the world that God desperately loves you know I was on the phone Uh, Last week, uh, my wife and I, with her brother who lives in Las Vegas, and as we're talking with him on the phone, we looked out the window, and the rains began to move in, and uh, my wife mentioned, uh, wow, it's really starting to come down out there. And uh, our brother who lives in Las Vegas mentioned that they've been in the midst of a drought for several years, and uh, he wished that some of that rain that we were enduring would come his way, would come their way. We talked for several more minutes, and my wife looked out the window again, and she said, wow, it's really coming down now, uh, to which my brother-in-law said, now you're rubbing it in. And uh, he was longing uh, for the kind of moisture that's normative for us. A uh, little would come uh, his way in the midst of that barren uh, drought that they've been enduring. You know, that's a good picture uh, of today's topic, Uh, How do we bring the richness of life, this flow of life that comes from our meeting with God that hopefully we're enjoying in this rich environment of positive interactions with other people of faith? How do we turn that outward and bring that into a world that desperately needs it? Well, here's the answer to that question. Uh, Here's how we do it. It's through the quality of our relationships with people, who may be far away from God, this is the plan of God. It's the only way this life-giving river flows to us, through us, into the world that desperately needs to experience God. It's through the quality of our relationships. You know, This is why uh, carrying signs that bash entire groups of people hating on groups, categorizing people according to their beliefs and values and priorities. This has to break the heart of the Lord of the harvest who, who pours this restorative, life-giving, abundance-producing life into our hearts, into our relationships, and he calls us to turn it outward uh, into the world, into the into the world of, filled with people who may be far from God, but whom he loves with a never-ending love. Uh, I would say it like this. Uh, Rather than that kind of response to the broken world, how about we do what Jesus did? Uh, Look at Luke chapter 5. We're told after uh, after Jesus had healed someone, he went out, and he saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. And rather than a critiquing or condemning or criticizing this uh this one who extracted resources from god's people he said follow me and jesus included him and levi got up left everything and followed him and then we're told levi threw a a great banquet for jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them tax collectors and sinners you know uh This is described as a great banquet, but reality was, it was a big party, and uh, Jesus was a part of this party. I had to recall when I met my wife, I called it a a college social event, when in reality it was a kegger. And uh, we were on the way out the door, and I spotted my wife across the room and did something quite out of character for me. I made my way across the room and asked her if uh, I could get her contact info before we headed out the door. Well, the rest, of, as they say, is history. Uh, but uh, Jesus is in a large gathering, not only uh, with Levi, the tax collector sinner, uh, but with a whole group of his friends. And uh, we're told uh, that the religious leaders of his day, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, who belonged to their sect, complained. They didn't like what they saw transpiring, and they said, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? What's up with that? What's going on here? You know, I came across a book recently. It's called The Book of Questions, and uh, the premise of the book is that asking the right questions is a key to life. It's a key to wisdom. It's a key to growth, and uh, I think, you know, to think of this question that was asked about Jesus, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? That's a really good question. In fact, uh, here are some other ways you could ask that same question. Why are you making friends with people who hate God? What's up with that? That doesn't make sense to us. Uh, Here's another way to ask it. Why do you accept people that God rejects? Or that reject god Uh, another way uh, why are you blurring the lines between good and evil Uh, that that would be a a thought-provoking way to assess what was happening between jesus and these sinful people Uh, why are you compromising god's holy reputation Uh, see all of these uh, thoughts were stirring within the hearts of these people as they saw Jesus interacting, apparently enjoying the friendship of folks who were far away from God. And Jesus had an answer. Here's what he said. It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. In fact, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, it's uh, fun to think of some of the other ways you could say what Jesus just said. I haven't called come to call people who are well it's not the well people who need a physician or a doctor it's those who are sick Uh, you might say it like this Uh, Jesus is saying look I've not come to fill my life with religious social activities Uh, that's the last thing on my mission that I'm concerned with I have little room in my life for religious people who don't have compassion for irreligious ones I hear that one again I have little room in my life for religious people who seem unconcerned about irreligious people. Uh, He said, I'm not primarily concerned about being with people who are doing well. I came to rescue those who are not. And uh, if I fill my time with being with folks like me, who will reach those who desperately need me? All of these reveal the heart, the priority of Jesus and how he not only related to God and with his followers, but how he turned his heart outward into the barren and broken places in our world. You could say it like this, enjoying people and investing in real relationships or friendships is how Jesus called people who were far from God back to God. It was through the quality of his relationships. You know, uh, last week, we looked at Paul's letter uh, to his friends in Colossae, and uh, he he kind of uh, gave us an idea of how we allow that love to flow from God uh, into our relationships with one another. I would encourage you read through that letter uh, when you when you look at it from this lens. It actually uh, creates this view of our relationship with God first. We're rooted and grounded in Christ. Then our relationships with one another, saying no to the broken lifestyle, saying yes to the pattern, the environment of rich, uh, positive interactions with each other. And then uh, at the end of his letter, he goes into how we live that out into the world. Now turn those good relationships you have with God, with Jesus, with each other. Turn that outward so that it can reach those broken and barren places, and uh, here's how he tells us we can do that. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6, he begins, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and being thankful. Uh, You know, he's saying essentially, look, it's a crazy world out there. There's a lot of desperate people, Uh, sinners and transgressors, get themselves in complicated lifestyles and predicaments, and if you want to be a difference maker, uh, first and foremost, remember this. Be devoted to prayer. Talk to Jesus all the time. Make it the air you breathe. And uh, always be in that, that openness to God's activity in your own mind, heart, and thoughts, and as you interact with people. And, uh, you know, I, I think about uh, the word watchful. Uh, watch where you're going. And don't trip over obvious things. I was on one of my urban walks recently, and there's one a place where you come to a series of flights of stairs, and there's a lot of them, and they're very steep, and it's about six miles into the walk, and so uh, I'm feeling it by then, and as I set up, up these flights of steep stairs, I had my head down, was moving up the stairs, and all of a sudden, a low-hanging branch smacked me right in the center of the face. See, I wasn't being watchful. I was assuming that there's nothing hanging across those stairs today. And I couldn't have been further from the truth. And Paul says, be watchful in prayer and also be grateful. It's almost as if uh, you you, you breathe in uh, the, the spirit of God and what comes out, what's breathed, exhaled out is gratitude. Paul says, if you want to make a difference in the world, begin right there. He goes on. He said, as you're praying and being watchful and thankful, pray for us. I pray that God would open a door for our message, for our truth to come from us to others so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in change." You know, this idea of an open door into people's lives is profound. The perspective of the Bible is that God may be active in someone's life, who who looks far away from God. They look like an enemy of God. Think of the Apostle Paul when he was destroying the church, killing, torturing Christians. Uh, but God w- was working behind the scenes, and an open door is that time, uh, maybe that one time in a person's life when they're actually receptive, when their hearts are open, and uh, God is saying, look, as you walk through this world, uh, know this. I'm working in people's lives that may look anything like anything but what's happening in them. But uh, pray for open doors. Pray for those opportunities when there's, a, there's a, a coming together of circumstance. I'll give you an example. I have a good friend who, um, when he was young, uh, people who followed Jesus tried to force faith on him. And uh, he didn't like what they were doing. It felt like a violation. And uh, he resisted. He ran from him. He He escaped. And uh, the more life went on, uh, the more in his mind, his heart, he felt like that wasn't anything he wanted to have anything to do with. And uh, But we became friends. Our friendship grew. And uh, he would occasionally talk to me about uh, his weird experience with Christ followers. And uh, there came a point in his life when... Um, he lost both of his parents, uh, both mom first then Dad died in the same year. He asked me to join him for lunch, and uh, at one point in our conversation, he said, "Look, um, I lost both of my mom and dad in the same year. Uh, you're a pastor. What do you say to people like me?" And he uh, became apparent that was an open door in his life. It was a time when there was a readiness. Uh, There was a receptivity that didn't exist there before. And Paul says, look, if you want this life that you experience with Jesus, you enjoy with other people of faith, if you want that to reach the broken places, we'll approach it like this. Uh, Be devoted to prayer. Be a grateful person and watch for those opportunities when God is obviously opening the heart and mind of people that you interact with. Uh, Paul goes on. He says, as I, uh, as I walk into these open doors, I pray this. I pray that I might proclaim the message, the mystery of Christ clearly, as I should. I pray that I don't whiff. I pray that I don't step up to the plate and totally miss what God is doing in that moment. You know, I had a friend once who uh, traveled down from Canada to uh, join, uh, visit my wife and I. And uh, as part of his weekend stay with us, we decided to go golfing together. And when we got uh, out to the course, he he disclosed to me he'd never golfed before. And uh, he also didn't tell me that I had borrowed him a set of clubs uh, for right-handed golfers. He also didn't tell me he was left-handed. And uh, so as we stood to the first tee, uh, they put us ahead of the entire men's club. And uh, we walked up to the tee, put his ball on the ground, and we looked, and there was, must have been 20 golf carts lined up, revving their engines, ready to get going. And uh, I just prayed, Lord, help him not whiff. And uh, he stepped up to the ball, missed it entirely three or four times, finally hit one that went about 10 feet. And, uh, you know, uh, it's unfortunate that Christians— Uh, who really want to see the kingdom of God, they want to see the work of Jesus happen in them, through them, to others. God brings people into our lives who desperately need him, whom God has been working behind the scenes, and because we're not walking in this state of readiness, we whiff, we miss the opportunity entirely. And Paul says, look, ask God to help me not to do that. He goes on, he says, look, uh, be wise, in the way that you act towards outsiders, towards the, the sinners and the tax collectors, towards people who may be far from God. Be wise in the way that you interact with them, making the most of every opportunity. See, uh, Paul here is saying, pray for me. That I, I don't become a Christian weirdo. You know, that I, that I show up haphazardly in the lives of people who are skeptics, who don't uh, really think they need God or don't want anything to do with faith. Uh, Paul says, uh, when you interact with people in that place, be wise. And uh, this is more than be careful, though it includes that. Uh, When Paul says be wise, he's bringing in the rich wisdom tradition of the Jewish faith. Uh, You look at certain parts of the Old Testament, the, um, the Proverbs of Solomon, the book of Ecclesiastes, these are expressions of the rich wisdom tradition of what it means to live in the knowledge and understanding that only God can give. Uh, and you, you could review uh, the 31 chapters of Proverbs. Some of the themes are be a good person, be a person of your word, be a person who says they do what they say they'll do, be a good neighbor. Uh, Learn the nuances of of being a good friend. Uh, Be generous towards God and towards people. Uh, Care for the poor and the oppressed. Uh, These are themes throughout the wisdom literature. Be a person of integrity. And and then the great capstone, at least in, in my perspective, is be a person who understands that life and death are in the power of your words, that your words can build up or your words can destroy your words can encourage and bring healing, or your words can bring sadness and despair. And uh, I love one of my life proverbs. It says, like an apple of gold in a setting of silver is a word that is fitly or appropriately spoken. And uh, see, Paul says, look, as you're, as you're interacting with the world, be prayerful, be devoted to prayer, be grateful, uh, be uh, anticipating open doors of opportunity to bring the hope of Jesus and be wise, be a solid person, be a person of integrity, be a good friend. And then uh, finally, he says this, um, let your speech be full of grace, seasoned with salt, always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone, that you may have that word, that is fitly spoken you know um i think that uh god is readying the hearts of lots of people in fact uh in uh, later on in the new testament the book of revelation uh, jesus comes to one of his churches happens to be a small church few members little resources and he says look you've kept the faith and uh, now here's what i'm going to do i'm placing before you an open door that no one can shut. It's an open door of opportunity. It's those kind of things that Paul says, would you pray for me, that as I interact with people who are far from God, that God would open a door for me to bring the hope that I have, that I would do it with wisdom, grace, sensitivity, as a good friend, following the example of Jesus. Well, you know, if, um, if we're going to be the kind of people who allow this river of life that we receive in our connection with Jesus that we share with one another as we create this rich environment of positive interactions. If we're going to turn that outward, uh, we get to be uh, sensitive to people in the most relationally healthy ways. Uh, I received a a letter, really, uh, on social media recently, and uh, I, I want to read you just Parts of what this gentleman shared in response to one of our messages. He said, look, I respect your belief in the truth of the Bible. I once shared it, uh, but then I, I, I came to learn how the Bible was assembled. And he goes on in his letter to recount how over hundreds of years after Christ walked this earth, that there were, there were hundreds of manuscripts, many of them disagreeing. Uh, some of them not included in the four gospels, the Gospel of Jude, the Gospel of Thomas. Uh, he went on to cite how uh, some of the uh, Gospels of Mark have different endings attached. Uh, one of them, uh, which is in most of our Bibles, uh, talks about how you'll uh, drink poison and handle snakes and not be harmed. And uh, he, this gentleman made the conclusion. What's up with that? You would think if there was an eternal God revealing Himself, He would have been more accurate than this process that happened over arguments in back rooms of churches as to what to include and what not to include. And so uh, He he's graciously said, "I wish you well, but I just can't buy it." You know, how do you re- how do you react uh, to people like that? You know, we could say, "Well, you're just making excuses. Get over it." You know uh, Give your life to God and let him start working in you. Uh, I think that would be a huge mistake. I think that would be the opposite of what Jesus displayed, that he invested himself in friendships, he accepted people, and uh, he gave God the opportunity to work in the lives of those people who were distant from God. You look at the teaching of Paul and the, the invitation to be wise and how we conduct ourselves towards folks who, who are distant from God, and it's a much different, uh, more nuanced uh, way of interacting. Uh, finally, I'll end with this. I have a family member, who um, a distant, uh, extended family member, who, who grew up in a very difficult set of circumstance. Parents went through a divorce, and in many ways uh, she was like that friend of mine who had faith forced upon her. Uh, she was told to get over it, you know, her pain or hurt. Uh, she felt like uh, there was a standard being imposed on her that was impossible uh, to relate to and uh, so she developed uh, that same sort of uh, distancing uh, from the christian church and people of faith and uh, we talked one time and I, I shared with her about a church that actually was designed for people who don't like church it was say uh, their slogan statement was uh a church that unchurched people love to attend because their questions are invited and accepted. And I remember her response. Uh, She said, there are churches like that? And it came as a total shock to her that uh, Christ followers could be people who are sensitive to the nuances of folks who've been hurt or wounded uh, by religion. And uh, years later, uh, this same young lady, uh, she uh, had a very close friend of hers, uh, died just barely at the age of 30, uh, died of a brain aneurysm. And uh, this young lady asked me if I would come to her funeral service and say a few words. And uh, it was that open door, again, of opportunity that only comes when we invest ourselves in relationships. And uh, so as we conclude uh, this message, uh, just a reminder, every good thing comes into our lives through the quality of our relationships with God, with one another, and with the world that he calls us to love in his name. Psalm 133 uh, says it so succinctly, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, Uh, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore, this life-giving stream. Uh, Would you pray with me? Uh, Father, we want to thank you today uh, that through Jesus Christ, uh, we can come near to you. Your word says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And thank you, God, for the reminder uh, that every good thing comes to us as we uh, live, commune with Jesus Christ, as we're connected to the vine, as we're anchored and rooted in our interaction with him and as we relate to one another, we say no uh, to the brokenness, to the contempt, the criticism, the defensiveness, the shunning of others. And we, we allow ourselves to experience this rich environment of positive interactions. Uh, Lord, we can then turn that resource out into the broken places, into the barren places, into the salt water, Lord, every place That river of life flows, becomes abundant. And as your word says, Lord, the fruit that grows along that is for healing. Uh, The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the people. And Lord, would that be so of us? And we pray, we invite you to tinker with us, uh, shape the way we interact with people we disagree with, uh, people who uh, maybe give God a bad reputation by what they say and what they do. Lord, help us uh, to be wise in the way that we interact, to look for those open doors, uh, to speak graciously, and to allow your life to flow through us, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.